Strong Com podcast. Thank you for listening to it. This is Aaron Dunn. We're going to talk strong communication, strong community, and how those two things lead to strong company, whether that's the company you're building or the company that you keep. I'm joined by my friend, a strong communicator in his own right, a strong photographer, videographer, taco connoisseur, Daniel Post. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. I, I'm mindful that I don't need to say um or uh since you just introduced me as a strong communicator. So I know. I'll do my best. I set myself up really bad for this podcast because like I you know, it's like strong calm and then I'm like, wait, I sound like an idiot <laughs> half the time. So uh, but I'm getting I'm moving through it. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll just we'll just think about it. You know, if there's any pauses you hear at home uh, or in your car or wherever you may be listening on the toilet. We can edit that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely listen on the toilet uh, to podcasts. But um, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Dude, thanks for having it's me. It's good to just hang out. Absolutely. It's um, good to be here. So I'm looking at our Instagram DMs about what we're going to talk about. So uh, we stay on track. Absolutely. Um, you know, you, you're a photographer. You're a videographer. You work with Lightbox Collective here in uh, Tyler, Texas, East Texas. Mm-hmm. Which is a describe Lightbox in a phrase or so. So what is Lightbox? Yeah, that's a discussion we have a lot too. Okay, Um, great. (laughs) We're like, what should we put on our window? Uh, Over two years in, and we still don't have a window (laughs) sticker. (laughs) So, uh, Lightbox Collective is a uh, well, it's in the name Collective. It's it's a group. Uh, Me and and a couple other photographers and videographers, we we got together. We are kind of tired of of the. the hustle that comes with being independent mm-hmm. in a way, not to say that that's not fruitful, but sometimes you just get burnt out on it. And there's certain ideas that are better and quicker for the involvement of other like-minded or challenging mm-hmm. people. Yeah. You know, So we were just all kind of in that place. We wanted to do something more than just always hustle and promote our own name and ourselves. And I was tired of saying get me to do your photos for this and this and this and and there was like a ceiling of of what I could do because I wasn't going to throw myself out there to do a job that I knew would would be over overwhelming right but when you have more minds working together on the same problem you can delegate tasks and you can allocate you know different things to different uh, different people within the group and so so yeah uh, that's the collective aspect of it Lightbox was just a fun name we came up with. There's kind of, you know, a few meanings with it. There's the kind of the literal light box with cameras and stuff like that. But really, one of the one of the big philosophies behind it was not only to just make videos and pictures and create content, but to use that in a way of sharing, uh, inspiring things, uh, helpful, hopeful things. Mm-hmm. And so quite literally carrying light to people. Yeah. So we... Uh, Sometimes we'll say, you know, like, hey, let's carry the light. Let's do this. You know, it's something we want to put on a T-shirt or whatever. We it's it's evolved as we've gone a little bit uh, to become more than we could have imagined. But yeah, it's it's cool. It's a great little community to work in. Yeah, that's awesome. So and I, you know, I, I wanted to introduce you in that context because um, I don't know I, I I think that's it's kind of like the Avengers of uh, videography around here. Um, it's it's very unique, but um, I do want to you know kind of backtrack in a way and talk about you and your unique involvement with it because um, and, and talk about how you got in how 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 did you get into videography and photography because you've been freelancing for a while right I have yeah you're a, you're independent creative professional yes so how long have you been that and how did you fumble your way into the being this um, high quality, I would say, sought after um, professional that you are today? Well, it all started. No, <laughs> so um, it's th- that's kind of a twofold question. So, um, for uh, I, I'll start with the, the first one. Uh, 1993, Jurassic Park came out, and. I loved it because I love dinosaurs because who doesn't, you mm-hmm. know, and and I was obsessed with the movie, but not just like, ooh, I want to be Alan Grant or I want to chase velociraptors or whatever. 
I was I became fascinated with the filmmaking process. I, I bought this magazine uh, on on newsstands that came out at the time, and it it talked about the making of the film, and and everything that went into it. And there were pictures of Steven Spielberg on set and like in the in the the robotics studio and stuff like that, like talking to Phil Tippett and like all these like cool like creature creators and all that. And, and I was like, I want to do that. Like I want to tell stories. I want to share ideas and visions with people mm-hmm. in such a cool way. And so this this magazine, I read it until the pages fell out of it, like over and over and over. I was obsessed with it. And then, uh, and this was before like DVDs that had yeah. boni- bonus features. How, how old were you then? So 93, I'm aging myself here. I was, I was uh, going into fourth grade. So I was nine years old when Jurassic Park hit, which is the right time for a movie about dinosaurs to hit anyone. For sure. You for know? sure. So, I, and to this day, I'll tell anyone who asks, Jurassic Park, favorite film. Yeah. Is, is it the best by, well, yes. It's better than the new ones. Oh, my goodness. Don't even get me Hot started. Take. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, but it's it's my favorite because of what it what it ignited in me. For sure, yeah. You know, and so... Uh, so that was a start, and so I'd always been interested in in creating something, and I would say, you know what, I want to be a film director, because before that, I wanted to be a paleontologist. Oh, and cool. And yeah. so, but paleontology, the more I learned about it, the more of a lame job I realized yeah. it was. Yeah. Like, besides, you you get your name in a couple of cool papers, but for sure, I wanted to be an archaeologist uh, at, at one point, and that's probably. Maybe, I, I don't know what paleontologist does, but like I used to think that I wanted to do that because I guess connected to dinosaurs yeah. as a nine-year-old kid. Right. You know, you're like, oh yeah, that's the best job ever. Yeah. It's like I want to be Indiana Jones, but with dinosaur bones. Yeah. Is basically what I. Yeah. yeah. As you grow up, you're like, wait, that's a real slow-paced, boring. Slow-paced. <laughs> you're always like <laughs> lobbying for money and yeah. like <laughs> probably don't have a good like home life and all right, that. So, right. no. So I. Uh, so the, the the film thing it was just fascinating, and I'd always been you know creative drawing stuff and whatever. I was just making things all the time, and so film. I was like, okay, this can be this can be the thing. Mm-hmm. And at that time, it wasn't so easy to just go and get like a little like flip cam or use your cell phone or whatever. Yeah. Like there was nothing. We had like high eight video cassettes, maybe. Yeah. A lot of times it was like the VHS C. You remember those? Or yeah. like the, the camcorders and stuff like that? Yeah. And you couldn't do anything with those. With like the leather. Yeah. You like leather you, it, 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 instead of zoom and zoom out, it was tighten and widen. Yeah. You know? And, and, and if you tilted it a little bit, the, the tracking on the videotape would get all off. And everything about it was just lo-fi. Sure. And, and no amount of story writing or character development or whatever, at least what I felt like I could achieve at nine or ten years old, mm-hmm. no amount of that translated well to what i was seeing on the big screen right because at the time it was a pay-to-play thing it's like well i don't have film stock i don't have these cameras and lenses and lights and all that yeah it's hard for me to do something that people will take seriously besides something to just like pat a kid on the head and be like hey good job little guy Mm -hmm. you know because i was i was a perfectionist at that point i was like no i want it to be as good as what i see Mm -hmm. and so that was a little discouraging but i kept i kept pursuing it i kept being interested in it and uh i was we got to travel a lot my uh, well not a not a ton not like out of the country or anything but my grandparents they had an rv and so during the summers or on spring break they would take my brother and i or my cousin and i on trips and one in particular was like a a trip to colorado and utah and all that and we visited a bunch of dinosaur museums along the way and it was super cool and memo and Paul were always really good about taking photos and not just disposable cameras but they actually had their slr and rolls of film and all that and the lenses and all that and so it was really uh it it was a cool thing that i saw i was like okay you can tell stories through pictures i want to tell stories through film and then fast forward fast forward i moved to tyler in 2004 and my first job that i I stumbled into was at the local cbs station Mm. cbs 19 which used to be a laser tag place. And so I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. And before that was a movie theater. Okay. So my brother and me and a few friends were coming in from Palestine for the for a, a day and we're like, hey, let's go play laser tag. So we get there and suddenly it's a TV station. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'll run in and see if they know where the laser tag place is now. Yeah. 
and while I was there, I just happened to stumble into an, a job interview. And so I was like, this could be pretty cool. So I got a job basically on the spot, moved here, started going to UT Tyler. And one of the first friends I made there was uh, this guy named Matthew Hogan, who's one of my best friends to this day and uh, just an awesome dude. And so he and I became fast friends and he was starting to take uh, photography at, at TJC, Tyler Junior College. Yeah. He was doing that. I, th I think he just wanted like a quick kind of throwaway degree. This His dad was <laughs> like, just pick something. And he's like, okay, pictures. I want to do pictures. So yeah. he he jumped in that and and found that he liked it way more than just a, I'll just do this to do something. And so I started hanging out with him while he was doing his assignments for it. He goes, hey, I have to do a project with this and this and this. Do you want to come stand in some pictures or do you want to come learn this with me? Yeah. And so we picked up the ball and just ran with it uh, to the point where his teacher, his teachers were starting to ask him to describe things for the class. That's awesome. And so it was pretty cool. But he and I just fell in love with that, really found just a, 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 a talent for it, a skill for it and and followed that. And then we thought, why don't we maybe, like, see if people want to pay us to do this? Right. We started booking weddings and all kinds of stuff like that. And we said, okay, as soon as we start making more money on our weekend job than we're making here at the TV station, let's make the jump. And we did. That's and awesome. so after about four years at the TV station, we felt confident enough to walk away from that and really pursue photography head on. In the first several years, it was a lot of uh, a lot of weddings and things because in in East Texas, for anyone who doesn't live here who may be listening, in East Texas, people like to get married, <laughs> and in Tyler, people like to pay a lot of money for people getting married. Yeah, and so it's great as a photographer to start, you know, and um, so we had a lot of opportunities, and we found that people liked what we were doing, liked our style, liked how we were marketing ourselves, and so we really pursued that and and from that uh, th that extrapolated out into other things product shoots you know uh, senior portrait stuff band shoots things like that and and it, it grew and grew and grew until we started finding more things like our niches that we really wanted to do mm -hmm. in that and then uh, at this time you know digital photography and and stuff was was coming a lot more alongside videography and you were finally getting some consumer level products that could give you a professional quality yeah. content. Mm -hmm. and, and finally, like my nine, 10 year old self like wakes up and is like, wait a minute, I'm starting to see stuff on my computer that looks like what I've always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. So a lot of little passion projects and stuff like that on the side, uh, then people start seeing some of these and and you know somebody's like hey can you create a quick video for me or uh, like one of our uh, one of our friends uh, JB Patterson is JB in the moonshine band mm -hmm. which is a pretty yeah. pretty, pretty no, big yeah. deal out of Tyler uh, friends of ours they said hey can you do a video for us and so we shot a couple of music videos with them um, shot a couple of music videos for some other people apparently some of our stuff has been played at like the Indy 500 and random just random little cool stuff like that you know yeah. and so that that kind of keeps encouraging you to keep going like what else can I do what else can I do so blah 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 fast forward with Lightbox we just all kind of came together we were a bunch of guys at the time when we started there were five of us and we all kind of knew each other uh, Matt Hogan and I were the two that were like the closest friends of our group but yeah. we just kind of got together uh, Sam, Sam Richmond, one of the other guys in Lightbox, he and I were, were out at Lindsay Park trail riding one day and and he mentioned he goes, dude, I, I just need to be around some other creatives maybe we should like get some people together take a cool inspiring trip or something let's just help keep each other like excited about this because the grind and the hustle of saying me, me, me pay me, pay me, pay me mm -hmm. it's just exhausting <laughs> so so it started as a community to to do that, to just encourage each other. And we, we planned a trip to Iceland. We were like, you know what, let's go big. Let's just pick some huge lofty goal and just pursue it. And if we start that high, aiming that high, we're going to hit some pretty cool stuff on the way down, I think. Mm -hmm. So we started getting together, us and, and 
significant others and whatever, and we would start barbecuing every week and just planning this Iceland trip. And then out of that came, hey, can I borrow this lens? Or, hey, do you want to assist me on this shoot? Or things like that. Mm -hmm. And it grew and grew and grew until Matthew and Samuel said, hey, we should maybe look into a shared office space so we can keep work at work and home at home. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's there's nothing that kills creativity more than having a pile of laundry sitting next to you while you're trying to edit, you know? Yeah. And you work from home a lot, so you probably know what that's like. Yeah. So... It's uh, it, it was great to have a studio space to to kind of allocate those those different things. And when you it's it's like yeah, you can have a home gym, but also if you have a if you have a gym membership or a, a place, even if your gym is like out in the garage mm-hmm. or somewhere away from all your other distractions, right? It becomes more of a of a thing. There's more intentionality to it. Right, right. It becomes a practice. Absolutely. And a discipline. Right. And so and so you you do a lot of like shared workspaces, like co work and stuff. Well yeah, so I'm with group M seven now and we have a we have an office. Mm-hmm. Um I was a co work. Okay. Um but you know, uh so we have an actual office. Today I did go to uh work hub for part of the day because I was on that side of town. Right. Um, which is a shared office space. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the, the value of going to the same place at the same, you know, the same around the same time, it does a lot. As long as you can commit, does a lot for working that muscle. Yeah. And you know, it's, it, it just becomes easier to, to do your thing because it becomes kind of a muscle memory type thing. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, I, I thrive off of I thrive off of shared energy and I mean I've done I, I haven't had like what what would be considered a traditional or a, a real job as some yeah. people might say yeah. since 2008 um, so for about that's 10 impressive or 10 or 11 years I've been somehow paying the bills yeah doing doing this yeah and it's uh, it's a feast or famine sort of thing sometimes, but all that is to say, like I, if I were to get a a, a real job yeah. or, or whatever, if you were to get a real job now, I I don't know how well I would do, and and that's that's I think a weakness in a lot of ways, <laughs> you know I I don't know how good of a team player I would be or how dedicated or focused I could be in an environment like that, I just a, at this point I I don't know how cut out for that I am anymore. Yeah. And so so I, I love having this, this kind of like freelance thing, this, this collective thing going on, this shared workspace where it's the perfect amount of discipline and organization mm-hmm. with freedom and, w- you know, when does it work for me? Right. You know, like the other day I was up at the studio till 4 a.m. Yeah. I, was, I was deep buried in a project. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to get this. And I didn't have to ask permission from a boss to be there late. I didn't have to say like, oh, let's put a, you know, let's put a thumbtack in this and let's hit it in the morning. Yeah. I was able to just ride that wave of creativity. Sometimes when I can't sleep or whatever, at 1 a.m., I'll be like, you know what? I want to work on this thing. And even then, it helps to just go and be at the studio and do that because the studio is a place where we create. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing else there. There's not a pile of laundry. There's not dishes. There's not a yeah. cat or anything like that. You know, right. it, it's a place where I feel enough freedom to do what I need to do. But also, there's um, there's some constraint there, some healthy constraint there that says, okay, this is the time and place for X Y Z. Right. You know. Right. Yeah. Crafting the the right creative environment. Yes. And there's a lot that you know you've got to do a lot of work and really screw up a lot to figure out it for for me. I'm speaking for me, screw up a lot to find that appropriate balance of, okay, well, I know that if I am at home and I do have a thing of laundry and dishes in the sink and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I will do that infinitely before I start on the project that I've, I'm behind on. Yes. Yeah. My yeah. apartment gets cleaner the more work I have to do. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I- you know, it's it's so it's worthwhile to have that space away. Um, so, and then and then there is something about working alongside somebody else that you know is working, even if you know in a co-working environment you're not working on 
remotely the same thing in the same industry on the same schedule or whatever Mm -hmm. just knowing that somebody else is like putting in the work putting in the time is disciplined and doing their deal yes um there there's something about that that's just like it's that accountability factor so absolutely it's finding the right blend of accountability self-discipline um you know just work ethic Mm -hmm. and um comfortability yeah. with, with where you're at and the and the people that you're with. I like how I really like and I just kinda want to put a magnifying glass on how Lightbox formulated in that you didn't say, I want to create a production company mm-hmm. and this is you know, a media, you know, studio ha- you know, a media house or whatever and this is what we're gonna do and it's gonna be a business and, you know, we're gonna charge X amount and Y amount and you know, this is the process and all that kind of stuff. There was never, it didn't, sa- it doesn't sound like, of right. course, there's different elements of a business y- that are in Lightbox that you, you just have to have. Mm-hmm. But it sounds more like it was a natural community mm-hmm. of gentlemen that saw mutual benefit in working with each other. Right. And then all of a sudden, hey, we can do greater things if we do them together. Right. Uh, Mother Teresa quote just came out. Uh, t- t- came to me. It's you can do what I cannot do. I can do what you cannot do. Together we can do great things. Yes. Yeah. And Absolutely. Um, that's essentially like the 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 drum that you guys beat. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, which is really interesting. I I think that um, as as work becomes more remote, the possibility of working without having to head to the office because i didn't go to our traditional office today at all mm-hmm. but i stayed in communication with everyone all day right i was available and i was in an office environment at some point you know to really do that kind of administrative work um i think it's become more and more important that we have less of that um we have less of those structures and processes and those type of things mm-hmm. and really get to know the people behind the work that we're hiring people for yeah. to say, okay, so Daniel, how do you work the best and how can we surround the things that we have right now to make sure that we amplify that? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think more businesses have to take that kind of community approach of like, okay, so what do you need? Okay, well we have that. Let's get you that mm-hmm. and let's get you more of that. So you can, you know, launch however you need to yeah. for the benefit of the whole. Absolutely. Yeah, I've I've always, really always I've I've been drawn to, um, I I think two of the most infamous ones are uh, Google and Pixar mm. that have that that creative like playful workspace mm-hmm. that uh, it's somewhere that doesn't feel like a stuffy office. Yeah, and there's less of a do this by five o'clock sort of thing. Right. It's more of a hey this is your job this is your objective we're trusting you to be responsible with it and so what we want to do is curate an environment that you don't feel like there's anything that will distract you from being able to do that objective Mm -hmm. you know it's uh think of um let's use sea world for an example you take a killer whale out of the ocean you put it in a tank Mm -hmm. no matter how much you feed it vitamins whatever the the dorsal fin flops over mm. and that's that's common with every every killer whale in captivity they always have like a floppy dorsal fin and there's something about that and and there's probably th- there's people that know way more about like <laughs> the physiology and whatever behind it than I do right. but to take somebody from a natural environment and say like ooh i'm going to bring you here replicate that do that yeah there's there's only so much that you can do. There's only so much I can carry with me, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so when you create a workspace with the necessities in mind, and I don't mean necessities like food, oxygen, water, whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean the things that actually stimulate your creativity, the mm-hmm. things that inspire you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you create an environment with those things in mind, with focus on those things, you're creating opportunity for those things to exist. Mm -hmm. And especially with a shared workspace, when you have kind of a a, a gamut of those things, like several things like that, 
you know, maybe plants are important to this guy. So we're going to have some plants, you right. know, natural light. Like my desk is the closest to the window in mm -hmm. the office because I love natural light. There's a couple of guys there that are like, I prefer like a cave to cave, do my yeah, editing. Yeah, yeah. so, so it, it worked out really well. So I'm, I'm there at the front with the natural light coming in. Some of the guys are at the back. And then uh, so just there's kind of that range that we can all kind of cohabit mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. And uh, that that sort of thing or you know, a mini fridge with, with whatever we need in there or, yeah. you know, so-and-so likes headphones, so-and-so likes speakers and so, you know, different things like that. Mm -hmm. We have these things at our disposal and, and we, uh, when we have those things, when we feel good about those things, we, we have, we, we have the resources, you know, the creative resources to do the job we want to do. Yeah. I think that's a perfect uh, opportunity to segue into like another uh, section. So that that that's that's some strong calm mm -hmm. as it relates to community. Um, talking about talking about um, the resources and the, a, mm -hmm. and kind of focusing in on the tools because like once you have the tools at your disposal, you feel a certain degree of freedom to where you're like you're like okay like we we could get into the conversation about the power of constraint. Right. And, and like how you can I maximize creativity and, and constraint because there's definitely times where I'm like, well, I could learn to do this or I can just make the best of what I've with what I've got. Right. Right. But then there's this whole nother. But but if you can unlock the door and 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 get give yourself access to this whole new uh, sandbox, if you will, or tools and resources, there's so much more that you can do to like thrust you forward. Mm -hmm. um, so talking about you know tools and the right resources let's talk uh, I, I I'm, I'm kind of uh, skipping right over that uh, to yeah. get to communication right and and um, we were talking before we started recording about mediums yeah so like um, because we, we don't have too much we don't have enough time unfortunately we'll just have to have a part due yeah but um so the when it comes to tools and and resources like the vessels of communication um i want to talk about the medium of photography and videography and storytelling so mm -hmm. go no <laughs> but but we were talking about how you know different mediums do different things different tools allow you to do different things right so like for you you know, it started with photography almost by necessity mm -hmm. because you couldn't get access to the video, you know, the video work. Mm -hmm. um, when you think about storytelling in photography, because I'm really just interested in, in, in talking to you about this. So storytelling as it comes to still images, mm -hmm. how do you craft a story in a still image? Um, you know, you've done a, f a wide variety of different things. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've been to India. You've been to Iceland, as you mentioned. You've been to South by Southwest. I mean, that's mm -hmm. you know, that's 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 the world. You know, you're navigating the world there. Um, totally different environments for each one. Right. So, um, how what is your approach to capturing the story? Or, you know, some people are just like, oh, I'm inspired. I'm going to take a photo of this. Like a lot of times, I'm like, oh, that's an interesting color. I'm going to take a photo of it. Mm -hmm. Like, what's what's your approach when you're you know going to Iceland or you're going to South by or, or what have you? What's in your headspace at, at different times? How do you approach storytelling in in terms of photography? Yeah, hopefully I set that up right. No, I like that. That's that's a ripe that's a ripe prompt. So prompt. That's mm. such a satisfying word to hear in the headphones. Prompt. <laughs> so I let's see. I think first it helps to to say what I value about photography. That, that really informs then the process. I don't take pictures to say, look at me. Mm. I don't take pictures to say, look what I did. Look what I created. Mm. I take pictures to share. I love to tell stories. Uh, I love to, I love to feel what people are feeling. And I hope that there's enough people in my community or that I can touch that love to feel what I'm feeling, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So let's take it, let's take the India trip for example. Mm -hmm. That was a mind-blowing experience for me. That was the first 
big like world travel thing that I had done. And I was thrust into an unfamiliar environment in every sense of the word. Culture, place, smells, food, Mm -hmm. spiritual climate, all that kind of stuff. And it was in the best of ways. I was was almost overstimulated in a way. And fortunately, uh, your cell phone didn't work, so you didn't have that distraction Mm -hmm. or anything. And I felt like a sponge. I was just like soaking in all this stuff. Like four years later, actually... Four years ago today is when I was on the plane back. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and so, and I can remember vividly almost every day of that trip because it was just all so new. It's like when you get in the kind of an emergency situation or mm-hmm. something or, like, you have to do this. Like, no matter what, this has to happen in this amount of time. And somehow you find your brain just adjusts to that. Mm-hmm. And suddenly... It's like, oh, okay, I, I can do this thing that sounded really hard. Like, suddenly I can drive a stick shift because I had to drive it from here to here. Or, mm-hmm. You know, things like that. So the India thing was like that in, in so many senses. And I had my camera with me, and I thought, okay, how can I translate this? Obviously, I want to keep some memories from this. But how can I carry something to someone and when I show it to them, they get a sense of the feeling that I felt. Mm. So one thing I try to avoid are the, the touristy photo ops mm-hmm. of things. So sometimes just out of some sort of sense of obligation, it's like, okay, I want to go to this lookout at the Grand Canyon, mm-hmm. or I want to look at the whatever from this angle or whatever. Just because that's familiar. Yeah. But then it's like, okay, that's cute. What can I do differently? Mm -hmm. How can I show this differently? And so that's kind of how my mind is working. And so I'll I'll find something like if, for instance, if to me, like one of the things I loved in India was the the chai on the street. So there would be these street vendors just making chai from scratch, grinding the pepper, shaving the ginger right in front of you. Mm. And they were quick about it it's so good it was just awesome and like so so many spices they had to like strain it out Mm. and stuff and i loved that it was so visceral and i thought okay what i can't just show a a cup of tea everybody's seen that i but i can take a picture of this guy pouring a giant pot with one hand through a strainer three feet above a tiny teacup and it filling up that because that's what affected me. Mm-hmm. That's what was so cool about the experience. Not just, oh, this is the best tea I've ever had in my life, mm-hmm. but the whole experience of it. So suddenly I'm able to translate that. I'm able to hand someone a photo that shows that. Mm-hmm. They already know it's tea. I've already told them the tea is good, mm-hmm. but what they then see is this this, this craftsman right. basically making it and yeah. the way they made it. Another... Uh, on that same thing, one of the pictures that I love that I keep returning to, it's a, it's just a little crate of, of, uh, of the dirty teacups, mm-hmm. and they're mix match, you know, all kinds of different things and ages and whatever and pretty colors and all that, and it's just this little thing, and then there's somebody kind of behind them that's going and hand washing all those and putting them back in a different crate. And I just love that because there were so many people continually coming up over and over and over. And this guy was just keeping up with it. Mm-hmm. And so so I have this picture of this crate and there's this beautiful natural light coming in and these beautiful oranges and blues and all that on the cups that just really, ah, it's <laughs> I get chills talking about it. It's so good. So anyway, when I can show a picture like that, I I feel like suddenly I'm telling more of the story behind hey, can you pose with your tea stand? Right. You know, so I want to do that. That's what I want to do. When I go to Iceland, like, yeah, I can take a picture of the waterfall from the same angle that everybody's seen it. But first of all, I'm not paying for a photo permit that allows me to take a picture of it without a bunch of tourists in the way. Because <laughs> most of the things you see, the Instagram pictures and all that, yeah. there are 50 people in your way. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't look like that, you yeah. know? Yeah, I've, I have a friend who does uh, nature photography. And he like he he like posted a picture of the other hundred photographers there taking yes. trying to get the sunset shot or whatever. Yeah. So I I like to kind of go off the beaten path 
you know, I like to look at something and then go five degrees off. Mm -hmm. If this is a popular street, I'm going to go two blocks over and mm -hmm. show you something on that street. Mm -hmm. Which also, incidentally, is a way to get cheaper food when you're traveling, too. Hey. <laughs> so Pro tip. Yeah. Pro tip. So, uh, like in Iceland, we, we saw all the, the cool waterfalls that people say. And, you know, we took some pictures just to say, hey, here we are. But then we turned on the four-wheel drive and went on some off-roads and places where tour buses weren't going to go and whatever. And we found some little places kind of all to ourselves. There was nobody for miles. Mm -hmm. And we had these little pockets of just heaven all to ourselves and we got to like explore this and show these from this angle and or you know instead of the same angle of the beach at, at Vic in Iceland which is one of the popular little villages on the southern coast you know we <laughs> I found a, a, a severed bird leg <laughs> laying in the sand right and so there's this black volcanic sand it's unreal it's awesome just jet black volcanic sand on wow. the beach and it was really pretty and it was really cool i was like okay i've seen pictures of that but then this random like bird leg like r washed up on the beach and it was kind of you know pale and whatever but there were these colors to it it was just it was wild it was so interesting and, and grotesque in a way but then there was like this beautiful surreal black sand and then suddenly i get to contrast it with this weird thing that showed up right yeah. so uh, all that is to say i'm trying to find different angles of things to take pictures of mm -hmm. another thing i do and, and one of my big passions is uh, concert photography put put a pin in that because i, I just want to like yeah uh, i want to i love what you said about how you don't want to focus on you know you taking the picture you you know here here we are I'm you know I'm right here I'm taking the photo and look at the photo that I took of this tea look it's awesome you know yeah um I love that you said that because you know Instagram is rife you know or you know our our phones are rife with that type of presentation of look at what I'm doing mm -hmm. and this is cool it's 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 sort of the same thing that's the tricky part about it is that yeah you know you you can have this you know people are essentially trying to do the same thing and like capturing a moment mm -hmm. but they're capturing a mo their moment right and there's a big difference between capturing their moment and a moment of adventure mm -hmm. or seeing the beauty and appreciation for life as it happened yeah and i think that's like the the difference of how you come at you know uh you're in 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 that perspective so like you're bringing into you're, you're approaching the the art of it and the documentation of it as that pure documentation of life itself mm -hmm. and how it how it unfolds so like you know you describing it you know in the way that you did but also you're really just describing the photo and your approach of, you know, how can I communicate this moment that I'm living and share this moment in a visual format Yeah. instead of, um, Hey, look at this cool thing. You right. know, it's, 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 it's a much more all encompassing. Like you said, I, I think there's some kind of balance between there's, there's an artful balance between the control of something. And I, I don't know if the words are right, but, the control, the actual concreteness of the thing, mm -hmm. and then the, the context around it. Yes. And so much of communication and really, really strong communication has to do with the context around something. Yes. And that's where the beauty actually comes from, the history of it. And, like, the seven wonders of the world aren't necessarily because they're these – they are monumental or what have you. I couldn't name them. Mm -hmm. But uh, the what they mean – yeah, is really what makes them what goes into the it, thing. the history, the reason. Right. Yeah, right. The, I, I forget which one it was. One of my uh, a, a, a semi favorite photographer of mine, uh, he said, you know, when you're framing up a beautiful sunset shot mm -hmm. and you just you got your camera in the right place and you're like, oh, the colors are going to be great. Always look behind you. Because oftentimes that's where the better pictures happen. Hmm. And when you turn around and you're suddenly not getting the sun going down that everybody's taking a picture of, behind you is this beautiful just like spectrum of like oranges and pinks and purples and all that. 
hitting the clouds behind you. And so there's so much more happening around this thing. So many people say, look at the sun, look at the sunset, look at the sunset. It's like, mm -hmm. cool, yeah, but what else is happening? You know, one of my favorite photos I've taken, it was on my phone and I was on my couch at the house and it's of, I have this lamp made out of milk crates. Mm -hmm. And on the top of it, I had a, uh, a coffee cup and like a, there's like a, an old Coke bottle that had some flowers in it that I, I think the flowers by that point had died or were on their way out or whatever. But I, it was a, it was a really pretty overcast day and I'm blessed with just awesome natural light in that apartment. And I wanted to take, to take a picture of the, the overcast sky outside. But when I was getting to the window to take that picture, I was looking and I was like, actually the light that's hitting this Coke bottle with the flowers in it and this coffee cup is so much more satisfying than a picture of the skyline with the clouds. And so, and I took that picture and, and I loved it. And it's just, and it feels so homey, you mm -hmm. know, it's just like, wow, this is my space. This is, this is something just so special to me. Uh, and, and I, I shared it in a, in a photography group and, and there were, I got several comments on it that were just like, there's just something about this that I like. Mm -hmm. And, and it, that just felt so good to me because yeah. it's not anything interesting really, you know, unless you know my house and my stuff and whatever, and you care about my life and my whatever, you know, but I, I feel like I was somehow able to just show something in the light of simple appreciation for it existing and it wasn't a contrived sort of thing. One of the comments somebody made was, I like that you didn't turn the Coke bottle to where I could read what it was. Yeah. Okay. So I w I'm glad that you said that word appreciation because there is a magic in that, in that like the, c the, what you're compu what you're communicating. I, I think of it in these two terms too, of, of there's explicit communication and implicit communication. And like, you know, you're talk you're you're taking a picture of a guy making tea. Mm -hmm. That's the you know explicitly what you're doing, but really implicitly you're saying, th I'm here is a man that is his whole life is crafting this tea, mm -hmm. and you can almost imagine his own story in the photo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I I want to as a as a point of encouragement or just appreciation of. Um, what we can learn to take notice of in different different forms of uh, media, mm -hmm. if it's videography or, 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 or photos, or even in the written word, the appreciation for life itself and as it ha as it's happening mm -hmm. can be communicated through these different tools that we've got. Yeah, and and when we communicate it, you actually have something special at that point. Mm -hmm. Now it's really hard to, it 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 t it's artful, because you have to come at it with that type of um, perspective. Mm -hmm. Of you have to be an appreciator of life, yeah, to be able to really effectively, I think, communicate it, in you know the way that you do. Like you really have to have this sort of sense of gratitude, mm -hmm. of you know you know I'm grateful to just kind of soak up the scene and that kind of thing. Uh, to be able to 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 communicate it and capture it in that authentic way. Yeah. So I, I I don't know. I just wanted to take a pause real quick and and say, man, like if more people could take that perspective of, you know, how can I approach um capturing this subject, mm -hmm. um, not just the subject, but the aura around it, um. You know, I, I think that there's there's lessons in that that can help people level up, you know? I hope so. Yeah, man, that's – I'm so happy to hear you say that. That's – man, I think that's a good – not not necessarily a summation, but a, a really awesome takeaway from from that kind of thing that I'm, that I'm trying to achieve. I, I think you put it into words, something that I've only felt before. It's like I want you to – I want you to appreciate – more than just what's happening immediately, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. know. Um, I love the Beatles. Like, yeah, odd man out, right? But so, but, and as much as I love the songs that I've heard a thousand times over, what I love even more is the stories behind the songs and why certain things happened the way they did. Um, 
for instance, uh, Helter Skelter, the recording of that. Mm-hmm. Paul McCartney saw a review of a Who album, and they said it was the most obnoxious, offensive, raucous thing that there was. And Paul said, I can do better. And so he, he, he wrote Helter Skelter. Wow. And then he, when he was in the studio, he got the guys. He was like, we're going to do this again and again and again. And there was like, what, 20 takes or 30 takes or something like that. And he was doing that on purpose to get the guys angry. Angry, to, to put it into the music. And so in the, I think it's the, because the mono and the stereo mixes back then were different. It wasn't just a, okay, I'll make this one. Like you had to completely get the tapes and mm-hmm. remake the edit. Yeah. And so that's why it's so valuable to get the mono version and the stereo version. It's a pro tip. So, but I, I know at least with the stereo version of Helter Skelter, at the end with that reprise, after it comes back, like the music just swells up again and they hit those, those, those riffs again. And then there's a part at the end and all the drums just kind of fall apart and you hear them crash over and you hear Ringo yell, I've got blisters on me fingers. That wasn't just a cute little funny, silly thing. That was, that was him angry. He was, he he had pushed over his drums, threw his sticks. He was mad. And now that's in the song. And we get that. Mm -hmm. And so it's not just this awesome rock song. We get the anger that's with it, you know? Um, To translate this back to photography, I I did a trip one time. Matt Hogan and I did a trip to Marfa. We've done two at this point now. But we we were shooting a wedding in Marfa, Texas, and... I I had my Minolta 35 millimeter camera with me and I was shooting a bunch of stuff around like on our off day. We were just going all around town, just taking pictures and just soaking it in. And I got to film that. And the note that the, the lab tech put on the film said, hey, it looks like you had some heat damage on this film. That will explain the dark parts. And so certain certain frames had... Uh, like a black edge to them mm-hmm. or like a gradient, like maybe half of it was black or there were some weird like faded colors or whatever. And apparently that was due to me leaving the camera or some of the film in a hot car. Mm-hmm. And and it was some old film stock I was using or whatever, but it was, I look back at those pictures and I love them for that. I didn't chunk them away. I didn't say like, oh man, okay, that's not usable. That's not usable. Mm-hmm. Because now instead of the same picture of Prada Marfa that everybody takes, Mm -hmm. I have one that has heat damage on it. Mm -hmm. And when I see that, and then I tell somebody, yeah, this is heat damage, suddenly they know, oh, it must have been hot. Right. You know? And it can actually place you there in that that, that very subtle way. Absolutely. Those are those kind of happy accidents that happen in creative life. And to where, like, you're like, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but – Cool. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. You know, it's um, I, I love the that type of um, I, I love that experience. It's, it's just yeah. such a fun experience. It's, it's a fun artifact. You know, it's just mm-hmm. one of those things you couldn't plan for it. But right. there it is. Right. You know, right. And and we've learned to appreciate it. You know, how many, you know, and, and I know you're a huge hip hop fan. We talk about hip hop a lot, like yes. like on our free time. But yeah. Isn't it funny, like, you know, because most hip-hop is recorded digitally. Most of it's right. recorded in somebody's living room, in their For apartment sure. or whatever, you know, or yeah. on, th- on their iPhone. But how many people add, like, the needle pop mm-hmm. of a record, the, the, the just that sound clip, how many people add that in, you know? Yeah. Because there's something about it that marries the ingredients together. Yeah. It gives it an authenticity. That's why the golden era of hip-hop is so beautiful, because <sighs> it's like – you get the you get the grime with it mm. like like that's why the wu-tang is so classic yeah. and amazing because it's just like you know the the subtle you know like the the mic doesn't sound right or yeah. you know, the mix just doesn't sound exactly perfect or what have you but that's where the magic is it's just those subtle things that you can appreciate even even the way the sound warps like they're using yeah. like a kung fu movie sound bite right. and the sound warps because they're hitting pause on a magnetic tape yeah and just what happens when you pause is it's literally something touching the tape and moving it away from the heads. Right. And because of that, it's going to change the speed of the audio and the pitch of the audio just that slight bit. But if that's not there, it doesn't sound real. Like yeah. there's uh, suddenly you're like, oh, okay, that was just clipped together. Contrived. Yeah. Um, 
getting a signal to to wrap this puppy up. Right on, um, right on. Unfortunately, um, good talking to you, Dan. Absolutely, Some strong calm. Happening. Some strong calm. We got maybe a third of the way through the the Instagram DMs. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, awesome, man. Well, um, unfortunately, I've got. M- plenty more that i want to talk about like the subtle nuances and I'm, I'm saying this pretty much just to catalog it just in case we get the opportunity again yeah of um how storytelling like today in in, in terms of artistry like mm-hmm. i think about how the story of creating something mm-hmm. has now become just as important as the story itself yes you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like especially in terms of like hip-hop music uh it's, it's a very proper illustration in that like all the drama that happens away from the microphone mm-hmm. is almost more important now for better or for worse, probably for more for worse, but it just is what it is mm-hmm. than the actual artwork itself. Yeah. And like, I think there's some kind of parallel there of like, of how like the, the, the happenstance of life, you know, and like the authenticity piece. I don't mm-hmm. know, there's like a few subjects that we could explore, but we yeah. can't because we're getting kicked out of the innovation pipeline. No worries. I, I think we need a sequel. I think we need a, I think we need an Empire Strikes Back of this. We might. We might. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, good chat. Uh, we're going to use this uh, episode as the next episode. Or, yeah. Yeah, we'll just use this episode. Okay. And then we'll just do a number two one day. That'll be awesome. And we'll just like... Okay. I, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to tell my friends that we're talking about serial killers just so they'll tune in. Because that seems to be all anybody listens to podcasts about. So... Yeah, that's that's the plan. Keep it calm, strong, everybody, and go follow Dan. What's your Instagram? Hey, my Instagram is at like you know the at symbol shift number two on your keyboard, uh, <laughs> at Danny P three two three. All right, keep it calm, strong. Stay driven. <laughs> <laughs>